I love the start of a new year, and I love bringing it in with my church family, with the brothers and sisters who are so dear to me. And my hope today is to have our souls refreshed and encouraged by refocusing our attention on Christ at the outset of this new year. And I also hope to envision us as a church family for what we should be aiming for this year. What are the things that should inform our prayers throughout this week and throughout this year? I'd like to ask you to please turn to John 17 as I prayed about you and as I prayed about this year. It was in the context of those prayers that the Lord laid this chapter on my heart. John 17 is certainly among the greatest chapters in all of Scripture. I'm known as the high priestly prayer of Jesus. Jesus prayed this on Thursday evening, April 2nd, A.D. 33, the night before he was crucified. That evening, Jesus had eaten the Passover meal with his disciples. He instituted the Lord's Supper, and he then washed their feet and taught them everything in John 13 through 16, which is known as the Upper Room Discourse. And he then prayed the prayer of John 17. And it was after this prayer that they then sang a hymn, a psalm. They went together to Gethsemane, where Jesus was then betrayed and arrested. This glorious prayer, John 17. This is God's holy and authoritative word. When Jesus had spoken these words... He lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I've manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, 
that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Our sermon title is A Prayer for 2021. May God bless the preaching of his word. Some of you might know the name E.F. Hutton and some of you might not. Uh, Hutton was a Wall Street broker for 40 years and the firm is best known for their advertising and the slogan, when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. This was an ad that ran, I say some of you won't know it because the ads ran in the late 70s and early 80s and the ads were always similar. What you'd have is a, a large crowd of people either in a restaurant, at a sports event, on an airplane and two people are talking about finances. One person shares the wisdom of his broker, and then the other person says in these ads, uh, my broker is E.F. Hutton. And E.F. Hutton says, and then right at that moment, everything gets silent. Uh, the din of the crowds make no more noise, and everyone leans in to listen. And there's this long pause, and then the voiceover says, when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. Everyone within earshot eavesdropping because this is a voice worth hearing. In John 17, I imagine the disciples quiet and leaning in, eavesdropping on this conversation Jesus is having with his Father in heaven. When Jesus talks, people listen. And they overheard a glorious prayer and the Apostle John recorded it here in his gospel that we might lean in and listen as well. 
It occurred to me that 2020 was full of voices, some more valuable than others, many distracting, many angry and argumentative, many consumed with the things of earth. The voice of Jesus rises above the rest and his voice is the voice we need to reorient us to God, to equip us for 2021. And the, so much of the beauty and the glory of this prayer comes in realizing that Jesus prays for us still. He prays for us today as an expression of his heart for us, as an expression of his great love for us. No better New Year's resolution can be made than to deepen our knowledge of the heart of Christ and the love that he has for us as his people. Scripture is clear that our Lord and Savior, having loved us by dying in our place, having risen to new life and ascended into heaven, he now continues from his heavenly throne to love us daily by praying, by interceding for us as our great high priest. And so Romans 8, 34 says, Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. He prays for us. Hebrews 7.25 says Jesus always lives to make intercession for us. And so what better way as we head into a week in which we are focusing our attention on prayer, what better way to stir our hearts towards prayer than to consider the prayer that Jesus prays for us and to take comfort and encouragement in knowing that the one who gave his life for us, the cross has spoken, it is finished, he accomplished the work he came to do, the same one who died for you continues his great love for you and prays for you. When your prayers are weak and lacking, his prayers are mighty, his prayers are effectual. And we pray as the people of Christ with Christ himself as our prayer leader, the one who is leading us through his own prayers for us. Robert Murray McShane once said, if I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. And then he says, yet distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. He prays for you. He prays for you. And so what I want to do is look at some of the things Jesus prays for us. And these are the things, as I've said, that we should pray for, that we should pursue here in 2021. First, that we would be transformed by the truth. Uh, what immediately stands out in John 17, a reading of this great chapter, is that it is so doctrinally rich. Uh, in, his, in this prayer, we learn about the Word of God. We learn about Trinitarian relations, the person and work of Christ, his preexistence, his incarnation, his death. We learn about Satan, the church, and heaven. This is because truth matters. Uh, verse 8 says, For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth, a knowledge of the truth. 
He says, they have known that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. And then that great verse, verse 17, is where Jesus prays, sanctify them in the truth, set them apart and change them, transform them in the truth. Your word is truth. The word of God is where he has spoken and it is through the intake of this word that we are encouraged, that we are sustained, that we are comforted, that we are strengthened in all of life and in all that God has called us to. Each new year should function as a reminder and encouragement to spend time in God's word. And I also want to encourage each of you at the outset of this year to spend time in the brand new statement of faith for Sovereign Grace Churches. You'll be hearing more about this. It's on the Sovereign Grace website. We are going to get this to you in booklet form, probably either next week or the following week. So later this month, you'll get this. And we plan to do a sermon series on this statement of faith starting in February that will focus on the great doctrines of the faith. I want to encourage, and we will be continuing to encourage each member to dive into this statement of faith, to use this in your devotions. And in all of that, we are praying that we together would be transformed by the truth. Second prayer, Jesus prays that we would be protected from our enemies. In verse 12, Jesus says, I've guarded them and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, Judas, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Our great enemies in the Christian life are the world, the flesh, and the devil. And Jesus prays for our protection from the world. Verse 14, the world has hated them because they are not of the world. And he prays for our protection from the devil. Verse 15, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. And friends, as Christians, we must be aware of Satan's schemes and we must expect, expect hatred and opposition from this world. Immediately before this prayer, Jesus said, it's the Verse at the end of John 16, verse 33, in the world you will have tribulation. And so please don't think that because 2020 is behind us, that suffering and tribulation is behind us. The hatred and intolerance of the world toward Christians only seems to be growing stronger and we must be prepared for suffering and for persecution. In the world, you will have tribulation. But then Jesus also says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In other words, as you look at the opposition of the world, do not fear, do not lose heart, for he has overcome the world. So we are able to stand firm against the devil, against the world, because we know he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. Jesus is our great protector and he calls us to take heart. He calls us to experience the peace, the comfort, the courage of knowing he has overcome the world and he is praying for our protection even now. Theologian Louis Burkhoff says this in his systematic theology. It is a consoling thought that Christ is praying for us even when we are negligent in our prayer life. 
that he is presenting to the Father those spiritual needs which were not present to our minds and which we often neglect to include in our prayers. And that he prays for our protection against the dangers of which we are not even conscious and against the enemies which threaten us though we do not notice it. He is praying that our faith may not cease and that we may come out victoriously in the end. He prays for every danger, for every threat that we face, the ones we're aware of and the ones we are unaware of so that we will indeed come out victoriously in the end. He prays for our protection. Third, he prays that we would increase in joy. Verse 13 says, but now I am coming to you. He's coming to the Father. And these things I speak in the world. Here is the reason for the things he has said. That they, his people, may have my joy, the joy of Christ, fulfilled in themselves. So Jesus is a joyful Savior he endured the cross for the joy set before him. He has saved us to be a joyful people. And he wants his joy to be fulfilled in us and in our lives and in our daily living. I remember uh, a fellow pastor from another church counseling me. This was when I first became a pastor. This was back in 2008, sitting at a Starbucks. And... I remember he said, if I could give one piece of advice, it would be to always strive to be a joyful Christian and a joyful pastor. And that conversation has stuck with me. Hebrews 13, 17 says that pastors should lead with joy and not with groaning because that would be no advantage to the church. We apparently have enough groaning pastors in the world. And what we need is a joyful people. Psalm 100 verse 2 commands all of us to serve the Lord, not just to serve the Lord, but to serve the Lord with gladness. We are to serve him with joy. Are there roles and responsibilities you have? Think about your life. Think about what God's called you to. Are there roles and responsibilities you have that you are struggling to carry with joy? As an employee, a parent, a spouse, a student, a church member? Is your witness to the world a joyful one? On, on social media, uh, in conversations, around coworkers? Think about this. The one who died for you is praying for the increase of his joy in you. And he, by his spirit, will empower you to that end. I believe this is one of the things that God is doing in our church family this year. He is increasing us in joy. Jesus is desiring and seeking for more of his joy to be manifest in our lives so that by the grace of God at the end of 2021 we will have more of the joy of Jesus in our lives. Our, our theme for youth camp this year is going to be happiness and I'm so excited to see how God will use that to give us true and lasting joy. Fourth prayer we move along. 
that we would experience greater unity. That we would experience greater unity. Jesus prays for us. Verse 21, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. Verse 22, that they may be one even as we are one. Verse 23, that they may become perfectly one. This is extraordinary because Jesus is framing this as a Trinitarian prayer. He is praying that we would experience the same kind of unity that the Father and the Son experience. We have each been brought into this relationship with God and with his Son and with the Holy Spirit. We have each been united to Christ. And so, here's how the ESV Gospel Transformation Bible puts it, our union with Christ brings a unity in Christ that transcends all secondary disagreements. Our union with Christ brings a unity in Christ that transcends all secondary disagreements. I, this, uh, I think it was about a week ago, had an extended family Zoom call. Uh, this was um, with my wife's side of the family. I believe mostly uh, not Christians on the, on the call. And I was able to share with them that one of the greatest sources of joy for me in 2020 is that despite several churches I know being torn apart through 2020, in God's kindness, our church family and our pastors have continued to walk in unity. This is a strength of yours as a church family, and it is one of the leading reasons that I thank God for you. There's no denying that our unity has been tested in 2020, and yet God has helped us. But it's precisely because that unity has been tested among so many Christians throughout the nation that I want to encourage us to prioritize the pursuit of unity in the church, to make this something that becomes a passion for you, that you are committed to doing your part to maintaining unity in the church and to pray for unity. It is, it is no small part of the glory of the church of Christ that we hold together, that we walk in love despite differences. It's not what you see in this world. The world is marked by tribalism. It's us against them. Our group is good. Their group is bad. And when that way of thinking about politics and ideologies makes its way into the church, you will always see the erosion of Christian unity. What binds us together is not shared ethnicity, shared politics, or a shared cultural analysis. We are united around Christ and his word. We are those who have been bound together by the blood of the cross of Christ. He is our treasure. He is the centerpiece. He is the source of our unity. And he is praying for us even now even for the ones who are walking as one and in unity, he prays that they would be perfectly one. 
And so let's make this a year that every member of Covenant Fellowship leans into unity as a church family. Let's love and enjoy and respect Christians whose opinions and politics differ from our own. Let's communicate our beliefs and our differences in ways that are peaceable and gentle and full of mercy marked by the wisdom from above. This is how we as a church can continue to pursue being perfectly one just as Jesus has prayed. Fifth and last point that we have here drawn out from the things that Jesus prays for us, that the gospel would spread through us. I was so edified by the prayer earlier along these lines that God would use us in mission, in boldness for the spread of his gospel. Jesus makes clear in his prayer the great goal of this kind of unity that he's prayed for is not an inward goal, but it is that the world would come to believe that Christ is who he says he is. And so Jesus prays that we would all be one, verse 21, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And verse 23, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Our great consuming desire is that a world lost in darkness and sin would come to know the saving grace that is found in Christ alone. That men and women would turn from reliance upon their own good works and look to Christ alone as the only savior, the only mediator between God and man, the one who laid down his life so that we might know the forgiveness of sins, so that we might live in his power and his peace and his joy. We are called to be a people, not who keep this message to ourselves, but a people who are spreading it, a people who are stepping out in courage, with boldness, longing to see more and more people come to know this Christ, not because they deserve it, we did not deserve it, but we have come to know Christ. And now the great desire of our hearts is that we want to see others come to know him. This is our mission as a church. We exist to treasure Christ, to grow in grace, and to proclaim the gospel. Our lives have been forever changed by this gospel. And we want to see the lives we long to see the lives of more and more men and women transformed by the truth in 2021. We want to see the joy of Christ spread in this weary world. We want to see more people experience union with Christ and unity in Christ and in their relationships. This is what Jesus prays for us and it is what we are believing God will do in our church family in 2021. Let me close with this. I remember when I was a teenager, living for myself and wanting nothing to do with God. I was in my bedroom one time while my parents had a small group meeting and I heard them all praying for many different things. And they prayed in that meeting for me. They were kind prayers that communicated their love. And those prayers that I overheard left a mark on me. I remember another time I went to my dad's office. This was after I became a Christian. I believe I was in college. 
And as I stood outside one early morning, I overheard him in his office speaking in tongues, pouring out his heart to God in prayer and praise. And what I overheard left a mark on me to always seek the Spirit's work. Here in John 17, we've all had an experience of overhearing a prayer. We overhear a prayer that should leave a life-changing mark on each one of us, that should shape us this year. Church, this is what Jesus prays for us. So how can we not make this our prayer and our pursuit? Let us, by his grace, seek to glorify his name together this year, confident he is empowering his church for the mission that he has given us. Amen.